0: Section 16 of Letters of Mrs. Adams, Volume 1, by Charles Francis Adams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Section 16, The Letters, 1781 25 May, 1781, to John Adams. In this beautiful month, when nature wears her gayest garb, and animal and vegetable life is diffused on every side. When the cheerful hand of industry is laying a foundation for a plentiful harvest, who can forbear to rejoice in the season, or refrain from looking through nature up to nature's God, to feel the present deity and taste the joy of God, to see a happy world? While my heart expands, it, sighing, seeks its associate and joins its first parent in that beautiful description of milton sweet is the breath of morn her rising sweet with charm of earliest birds pleasant the sun when first on this delightful land he spreads his orient beams on herb tree fruit and flower glistening with dew fragrant the fertile earth after soft showers and sweet the coming on of grateful evening mild, then silent night with this her solemn bird, and this fair moon, and these the gems of heaven, her starry train. But neither breath of morn when she ascends with charm of earliest birds, nor rising sun on this delightful land, nor herb, fruit, flower glistening with dew, nor fragrance after showers, nor grateful evening mild nor silent night with this her solemn bird, nor walk by moon or glittering starlight. Without thee is sweet. This passage has double charms for me, painted by the hand of truth, and, for the same reason, that a dear friend of mine, after having viewed a profusion of beautiful pictures, pronounced that which represented the parting of Hector and Andromache to be worth them all, The journal in which this is mentioned does not add any reason why it was so, but Portia felt its full force and paid a grateful tear to the acknowledgment. "'We are anxiously waiting for intelligence from abroad. We shall have in the field a more respectable army than has appeared there since the commencement of the war, and all raised for three years or during the war, most of them men who have served before.' THE TOWNS HAVE EXERTED THEMSELVES UPON THIS OCCASION WITH A SPIRIT BECOMING PATRIOTS. WE WISH FOR A NAVAL FORCE SUPERIOR TO WHAT WE HAVE YET HAD, TO ACT IN CONCERT WITH OUR ARMY. WE HAVE BEEN FLATTERED FROM DAY TO DAY, YET NONE HAS ARRIVED. THE ENEMY EXULTS IN THE DELAY, AND IS IMPROVING THE TIME TO RAVAGE CAROLINA AND VIRGINIA. WE HARDLY KNOW WHAT TO EXPECT FROM THE UNITED PROVINCES because we are not fully informed of their disposition. Britain has struck a blow by the capture of Eustatia, sufficient to arouse and unite them against her, if there still exists that spirit of liberty which shone so conspicuous in their ancestors, and which, under much greater difficulties, led their hardy forefathers to reject the tyranny of Philip. I wish your powers may extend to an alliance with them, and that you may be as successful against the artifices of Britain as a former ambassador, note Sir William Temple, was against those of another nation, when he negotiated a triple alliance in the course of five days, with an address which has ever done honor to his memory. If I was not so nearly connected, I should add, that there is no small similarity in the character of my friend, and the gentleman, whose memoirs I have read with great pleasure. Our state affairs I will write you if the vessel does not sail till after election. Our friend, Mr. Cranch, goes from here representative by a unanimous vote. Dr. Tufts of Weymouth is chosen senator. Our governor and lieutenant governor as at the beginning. Our poor old currency is breathing its last gasp. It received a most fatal wound from a collection of near the whole bodies entering here from the southward, having been informed that it was treated here with more respect, and that it could purchase a solid and durable dress here for seventy-five paper dollars, but half the expense it must be at there. It traveled here with its whole train, and being much debauched in its manners, communicated the contagion all of a sudden, and is universally rejected. It has given us a great shock. Your ever-affectionate Portia. 9 December, 1781, to John Adams. My dearest friend, I hear the Alliance is again going to France with the Marquis de Lafayette and the Count de Noir. I will not envy the Marquis the pleasure of annually visiting his family, considering the risk he runs in doing it. Besides, he deserves the good wishes of every American and a large portion of the honors and applause of his own country. He returns with the additional merit of laurels won at Yorktown by the capture of a whole British army. America may boast that she has accomplished what no power before her ever did contending with Britain, captured two of their celebrated generals, and each with an army of thousands of veteran troops to support them. This event, whilst it must fill Britain with despondency, will draw the Union already framed, still closer, and give us additional allies, and, if properly improved, will render a negotiation easier and more advantageous to America. BUT I CANNOT REFLECT MUCH UPON PUBLIC AFFAIRS UNTIL I HAVE UNBURDENED THE LOAD OF MY OWN HEART. WHERE SHALL I BEGIN MY LIST OF GRIEVANCES? NOT BY ACCUSATIONS, BUT LAMENTATIONS. MY FIRST IS THAT I DO NOT HEAR FROM YOU. A FEW LINES ONLY, DATED IN APRIL AND MAY, HAVE COME TO HAND FOR FIFTEEN MONTHS. You do not mention receiving any from me except by Captain Canot, though I wrote you by Colonel Lawrence, by Captain Brown, by Mr. Storer, Dexter, and many others, to Bilbao by Trask, and several times by way of France. You will refer me to Gillen, I suppose. Gillen has acted a base part of which no doubt you are long ere now apprised. "'you had great reason to suppose that he would reach America "'as soon or sooner than the merchant vessels, "'and placed much confidence in him "'by the treasure you permitted to go on board of him. "'Ah, how great has my anxiety been! "'What have I not suffered since I heard my dear Charles was on board, "'and no intelligence to be procured of the vessel for four months?' after he sailed. Most people concluded that she was foundered at sea, as she sailed before a violent storm. Only three weeks ago did I hear the contrary. My uncle dispatched a messenger the moment a vessel from Bilbao arrived with the happy tidings, that she was safe at Coruna, that the passengers had all left the ship in consequence of gillon's conduct, and were arrived at Bilbao. The vessel sailed the day that the passengers arrived at Bilbao, so that no letters came by Captain Lovett. But a Dr. Sands reports that he saw a child, who they told him was yours, and that he was well. This was a cordial to my dejected spirits. I know not what to wish for. Should he attempt to come at this season upon the coast, it has more horrors than I have fortitude." i am still distressed i must resign him to the kind protecting hand of that being who hath hitherto preserved him and submit to whatever dispensation is allotted me what is the matter with mr thaxter has he forgotten all his american friends that out of four vessels which have arrived not a line is to be found on board of one of them from him I could quarrel with the climate but surely if it is subject to the ague there is a fever fit as well as a cold one mr gill tells me he was charged with letters but left them with his other things on board the frigate she gave him the slip and he stepped on board of captain brown's ship and happily arrived safe from him i have learned many things respecting my dear connections but still I long for that free communication, which I see but little prospect of obtaining. Let me again entreat you to write by way of Guardoki. Bilbao is as safe a conveyance as I know of. Ah, my dear John, note John Quincy, where are you? In so remote a part of the globe that I fear I shall not hear a syllable from you pray write me all the intelligence you get from him and send me his letters to you do you know i have not had a line from him for a year and a half alas my dear i am much afflicted with a disorder called the heartache nor can any remedy be found in america it must be collected from holland petersburg and bilbao and now having recited my griefs and complaints the next in place are those of my neighbours i have been applied to by the parents of several braintree youth to write to you in their behalf requesting your aid and assistance if it is in your power to afford it captain cathcart in the privateer essex from salem went out on a cruise last april in the channel of england and was on the tenth of june so unfortunate as to be taken and carried into Ireland. The officers were confined there, but the sailors were sent prisoners to Plymouth Jail, twelve of whom are from this town, a list of whom I enclose. The friends of these people have received intelligence by way of an officer who belonged to the protector and who escaped from the jail, that in August last they were all alive, several of them very destitute of clothing, having taken but a few with them and those for the summer, particularly Ned Saville and Job Field. Their request is that, if you can, you would render them some assistance, if not by procuring an exchange, that you would get them supplied with necessary clothing. I have told them that you would do all in your power for them, but What that would be, I could not say. Their friends here are all well, many of them greatly distressed for their children, and in a particular manner, the mother of Josiah Bass. I wish you to be very particular in letting me know, by various opportunities and ways after the receipt of this, whether you have been able to do anything for them, that I may relieve the minds of these distressed parents." THE CAPTAIN GOT HOME ABOUT THREE MONTHS AGO BY ESCAPING TO FRANCE, BUT COULD GIVE NO ACCOUNT OF HIS MEN AFTER THEY WERE TAKEN. TWO YEARS, MY DEAREST FRIEND, HAVE PASSED AWAY SINCE YOU LEFT YOUR NATIVE LAND. WILL YOU NOT RETURN ERE THE CLOSE OF ANOTHER YEAR? I WILL PURCHASE YOU A RETREAT IN THE WOODS OF VERMONT AND RETIRE WITH YOU FROM THE VEXATIONS, TOILS, AND HAZARDS OF PUBLIC LIFE. DO YOU NOT SOMETIMES SIGH FOR SUCH A SECLUSION? PUBLIC PEACE AND DOMESTIC HAPPINESS, AN ELEGANT SUFFICIENCY, CONTENT, RETIREMENT, RURAL QUIET, FRIENDSHIP, BOOKS, EASE AND ALTERNATE LABOR, USEFUL LIFE, PROGRESSIVE VIRTUE, AND APPROVING HEAVEN. MAY THE TIME, THE HAPPY TIME, SOON ARRIVE WHEN WE MAY REALIZE THESE BLESSINGS, so elegantly described by Thompson. For, though many of your countrymen talk in a different style with regard to their intentions, and express their wishes to see you in a conspicuous point of view in your own state, I feel no ambition for a share of it. I know the voice of fame to be a mere weathercock, unstable as water and fleeting as a shadow. Yet I have pride. I know I have a large portion of it. I very fortunately received, by the Apollo, by the Juno, and by the Minerva, the things you sent me, all in good order. They will enable me to do, I hope, without drawing upon you, provided I can part with them. But money is so scarce, and taxes so high, that few purchases are found. Goods will not double, yet they are better than drawing bills, as these cannot be sold but with a large discount. I could not get more than ninety for a hundred dollars, should I attempt it. I shall enclose an invoice to the house of Ingram and Bromfield, and one to de Neuville. There is nothing from Bilbao that can be imported to Advantage. Handkerchiefs are sold here at seven dollars and a half per dozen. There are some articles which would be advantageous from Holland, but goods there run high, and the retailing vendues, which are tolerated here, ruin the shopkeepers. The articles put up by the American house were better in quality for the price than those by the house of Neufville. Small articles have the best profit. Gauze, ribbons, feathers, and flowers to make the ladies gay have the best advance. There are some articles which come from India I should suppose would be lower priced than many others, bengals nankeens persian silk and bandana handkerchiefs but the house of bromfield know best what articles will suit here believe me with more affection than words can express ever ever yours portia 25 october 1782 to john adams my dearest friend the family are all retired to rest the busy scenes of the day are over, a day which I wished to have devoted in a particular manner to my dearest friend, but company falling in prevented it, nor could I claim a moment until this silent watch of the night. Look, is there a dearer name than friend? Think of it for me. Look to the date of this letter, and tell me, what are the thoughts which arise in your mind? Do you not recollect that eighteen years have run their circuit since we pledged our mutual faith to each other, and the hymenal torch was lighted at the altar of love? Yet, yet it burns with unabating fervor. Old ocean has not quenched it, nor old time smothered it in this bosom. It cheers me in the lonely hour." IT COMFORTS ME EVEN IN THE GLOOM WHICH SOMETIMES POSSESSES MY MIND. IT IS, MY FRIEND, FROM THE REMEMBRANCE OF THE JOYS I HAVE LOST THAT THE ARROW OF AFFLICTION IS POINTED. I RECOLLECT THE UNTITLED MAN TO WHOM I GAVE MY HEART, AND IN THE AGONY OF RECOLLECTION, WHEN TIME AND DISTANCE PRESENT THEMSELVES TOGETHER, WISH HE HAD NEVER BEEN ANY OTHER. WHO SHALL GIVE ME BACK TIME? Who shall compensate to me these years I cannot recall? How dearly have I paid for a titled husband? Should I wish you less wise, that I might enjoy more happiness? I cannot find that in my heart. Yet Providence has wisely placed the real blessings of life within the reach of moderate abilities, and he who is wiser than his neighbor sees so much more to pity and lament that i doubt whether the balance of happiness is in his scale i feel a disposition to quarrel with a race of beings who have cut me off in the midst of my days from the only society i delighted in yet no man liveth for himself says an authority i will not dispute let me draw satisfaction from this source and instead of murmuring and repining at my lot consider it in a more pleasing view. Let me suppose that the same gracious being, who first smiled upon our union and blessed us in each other, endowed my friend with powers and talents for the benefit of mankind, and gave him a willing mind to improve them for the service of his country. You have obtained honor and reputation at home and abroad. Oh, "'May not an inglorious peace wither the laurels you have won. "'I wrote you by Captain Grinnell. "'The firebrand is in great haste to return, "'and I fear will not give me time "'to say half I wish. "'I want you to say many more things "'to me than you do, "'but you write so wise, "'so like a minister of state. "'I know your embarrassments. "'Thus again I pay for titles.' Life takes its complexion from inferior things. It is little attentions and assiduities that sweeten the bitter draft and smooth the rugged road. I have repeatedly expressed my desire to make a part of your family, but will you come and see me? Cannot be taken in that serious light I should choose to consider an invitation from those I love. I do not doubt that you would be glad to see me, BUT I KNOW YOU ARE APPREHENSIVE OF DANGERS AND FATIGUES. I KNOW YOUR SITUATION MAY BE UNSETTLED, AND IT MAY BE MORE PERMANENT THAN I WISH IT. ONLY THINK HOW THE WORDS THREE, FOUR, AND FIVE YEARS absent" SOUND. THEY SINK INTO MY HEART WITH A WEIGHT I CANNOT EXPRESS. DO YOU LOOK LIKE THE MINIATURE YOU SENT? I CANNOT THINK SO but you have a better likeness, I am told. Is that designed for me? Gracious heaven, restore to me the original, and I care not who has the shadow. We are hoping for the fall of Gibraltar, because we imagine that will facilitate a peace. And who is not weary of the war? The French fleet still remain with us, and the British cruisers insult them, More American vessels have been captured since they have lain here than for a year before. The General Green is taken and carried into Halifax, by which I suppose I have lost some small bundles or packages. Beals told me that you gave him seven small packages, which he delivered Captain Bacon for me. The prisoners have all arrived except Saville, who is yet in France. I mentioned to you before that some of them had been with me and offered to repay the money with which you supplied them. I could only tell them that I had never received a line from you concerning the matter, and that I chose first to hear from you. I would not receive a farthing unless I had your express direction and your handwriting to prove that what you had done was from your private purse." which I was confident was the case, or you would have been as ready to have relieved others, if you had any public funds for that purpose, as those which belong to this town. I found a story prevailing that what you had done was at the public expense. This took its rise either from ignorance or ingratitude, but it fully determined me to receive your direction. The persons who have been with me are... The two Clarks, the two Beals, and Job Field Adieu, my dear friend, ever, ever yours Portia End of Section sixteen